Welcome to Reconquest on the Crusade Premium Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. This is Brother Andre Marie coming to you from St. Benedict Center in Richmond, New Hampshire. Our websites are Catholicism.org and Reconquest.net. You can email me at BAM at Catholicism.org. That's BAM at Catholicism.org. I can also be found on Twitter at Brother underscore Andre. And you can contact me through Facebook. Just search for Brother Andre Marie, and you will find me quite easily. This evening's show, which is number 117, is entitled The Canonization of Billy Graham. Uh, my guest is Mr. Charles Coulomb, a frequent guest here at Reconquest, a Catholic historian, uh, a book author, um, a master of various forms of lore about all sorts of esoteric subjects and Catholic subjects and historical subjects. And um, so we're going to talk about uh, Billy Graham. The the his recent death, of course, has brought about quite a quite an outpouring of eulogy from all across the 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 religious secular political uh spectrum and we're um going to discuss the principally the catholic reaction to billy graham's uh death um just in case you have been under a rock for the last few days billy graham did die uh on the 21st and um i'm going to read just a couple of selections a few a few select paragraphs from an article that appeared in the local newspaper here uh out of Keene, new hampshire which was actually um borrowed from a real newspaper. Uh, um, I think it was from uh, the Washington Times or something. Um, Billy Graham, the charismatic evangelist whose eloquent oratory and passion for Jesus attracted a worldwide following and made him one of the most influential and best-known religious figures of his time, was found dead Wednesday at his home in Montserrat, North Carolina. I'm sorry, Montreat. Sorry, I have it being the city in Spain. Montreat, North Carolina. He was 99. Now, by the way, this is, it says Wednesday. This is uh, Wednesday, exactly a week ago from when this show will first air, um, Wednesday, February 21st. His death was confirmed by a spokesman, Mark DeMoss. Graham had Parkinson's disease. Graham's ministry spanned more than six decades, and his evangelical crusades, as he called them, for most of his career, touched every corner of the world. He proclaimed his message of salvation through repentance and commitment to Jesus in the poorest of third world villages and in the world's highest centers of power and authority. Uh, William Martin, author of a 1991 biography, A Prophet Without A Prophet with Honor, wrote that Graham was singularly influential in trying to restore American evangelism's good name. The profession had become badly tarnished by the middle of the 20th century for a variety of reasons. Among these were the rigid fundamentalist religious dogma held up to ridicule in the Scopes monkey trial of the 1920s and the unscrupulous excesses of itinerant evangelists traveling the tent and sawdust circuit as portrayed in the Sinclair Lewis novel Elmer, Elmer Gantry, which later became a hit movie. Uh, I imagine that movie will come up in our discussion later, by the way. And then this is notable here. In 1964, Richard Cardinal Cushing, then the Catholic Archbishop of Boston, declared that no Catholic who heard Graham preach, quote, can do anything but become a better Catholic, end quote. The prominent theologian Reinhard 
Reinhold Niebuhr uh, once wrote in Life magazine that Graham, quote, promises a new life not through painful religious experience, but merely by signing a decision card, end quote. Uh, during this period, Graham was on, the, by the way, that was a criticism from uh, Niebuhr, not a praise. These decision cards were like little decisions that you would follow Christ, and you signed it, and that was it. Poof, you're saved. Uh, during this period, Graham, he's talking about the 40s now, um, mid to late 40s. I'm skipping around in the article. During this period, Graham was on the road most of the time pursuing his calling as an evangelist, but the results were unimpressive until November of 1949 when he preached in Los Angeles, where our host is, by the way, where our guest, rather. I'm the host. He's the guest. Uh, where Charles Colomb is is in a series of tent rallies that he called a canvas cathedral campaign, Graham drew national media attention in part because he caught the eye of newspaper baron William Randolph Hearst, who had decided that America needed a spiritual awakening. Puff Graham, Hearst is said to have wired to all his newspaper editors. So, so that's it. So Puff Graham, meaning I take it he's taking the, the word puff as in a puff piece uh, and turning it into a verb, meaning do, do a nice, kind-hearted write-up of him. Don't say anything critical. So this apparently is what really launched him into the public eye. With that, we're going to bring in our guest. Um, good evening, Mr. Coulomb. How are you? Good evening. Well, I'm... I'm very happy in the city of angels where Billy Graham started his career. Uh, blessed by that very fact, no doubt. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, lots of spiritual awakenings have, have begun in uh, in Los Angeles of uh, of various sorts. <laughs> but... That's for sure. Very, the very first Pentecostal meeting, very first rolling around and holy rolling was done here. Amazing. Um, and, and, and yet it's also the home to all sorts of esoteric New Age sects. It sure is. And UFO cults. And oh, heavens. If, if you look at religion as just religion, full stop, we got tons of it. Yeah, <laughs> lots of religion. Uh, and, and, and some of it is even the true religion, I'm sure. Oh, uh, some you know, uh, drips and drops of it here, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I want to... So, I want to begin, Charles, by talking about the the um, just sort of an overview um, of the Catholic reaction to the death of Billy Graham. Have you seen any of it? Have you looked at any of the Catholic uh, news sites or anything like that in their reaction to Billy Graham's death? Uh, yeah, and there's been an awful lot of uh, there's been some, shall we say, cautious commentary. Uh huh. But uh, to be honest with you, the the outpouring of grief the uh uh the the going out about what a great christian he was and so on and so forth you know the comment you made about by uh, cardinal cushing that great um theologian uh <laughs> what anyway he uh <laughs> it was it was kind of typical of uh, of the reaction uh people are going crazy over the late Billy Graham. It, 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 what, what's, what strikes me is that the Catholic media are going, are falling all over themselves to say what a wonderful man he was. And, and I mean, National Catholic Register, the Coming Home Network, which I thought was all about Protestants leaving Protestantism and becoming Catholic. Father Dwight uh, uh, Longernecker, the uh, uh, convert from evangelicalism to Anglicanism to Catholicism. Um, uh, Terry Mattingly's column in On Religion, 
um, Catholic Online uh, has a thing called The Most Remarkable Thing About Billy Graham. And I and it's not even clear what they're saying is the most remarkable thing about <laughs> Billy Graham. <laughs> they just cobbled together stuff about him so that they could have something. Um, Church Pop has a headline, The Extraordinary Friendship of Reverend Billy Graham and John Paul II. Of course, there's a lot of that. Raymond Arroyo, my fellow New Orleanian, uh, tweets out, R.I.P. Billy Graham, a true evangelist and a spiritual icon to millions. America Magazine, of course, not to be outdone in anything, uh, especially compromising of Catholicism, has a laudatory thing called How Billy Graham Shaped American Catholicism. Um, so, I mean, it, go, it goes on and on. I mean, there, there are numerous, uh, um, um, you know, everybody wants to. Oh, Cardinal Dolan put out a statement um, talking about um, how, yeah, the Dolans were a Catholic family, but we always respected uh, we always respected Billy Graham. Uh, we all, uh, there was always respect and admiration for Billy Graham and the work he was doing to bring people to God. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we, we have here, oh, <laughs> he says here, as an historian, my admiration for him only grew as I studied our nation's religious past and came to appreciate even more the tremendous role he played in the American evangelical movement, by, by which I, I took it to, to mean, and I, I think this is what we're going to probably spend some time discussing, that Billy Graham did a lot to bridge Protestants and Catholics in the country, and he was sort of a proto-ecumenist, although he probably would have rejected the name. Um, so he he actually taught Protestants that Catholics are are, are Christians, and um, that I think that explains a lot of this um, f- uh, this this euphoria that that's hap- surrounding his his passing, so much so that it's practically uh, an apotheosis. Yeah, and, and it, it it's important to bear in mind with him that. In a lot of ways, he epitomized American Protestantism and American spirituality in general. Um, and again, I, I don't think... One thing to bear in mind is that we Americans, and certainly we Catholic Americans, are not really comfortable with theology. Uh, we're not thinkers. We're feelers. And I'm offended. Well, yeah, well, I know, I know, and you're going to your safe space. I get it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just we're not. Uh, we're, we're the whole, remember what three of the, uh, the major um, religious movements in our country's history have been. The, the uh, Great Awakening. All three uh, of them. The, all three of them. Well, that, that, that's what I'm saying. And the two, the two revivals, the three Great Awakenings, etc. Call mm-hmm. them what you will. Um the fundamentalist movement, which, on the one hand, uh, you could say that they were defending, which is quite true, the uh, literal inerrancy of the scriptures and all that against the modernists, um, but they were anti-intellectual at the same time. Yeah. We don't do thought. We do feeling. That's what Americans are like. Uh, it's one of the things that has allowed us, up until you know, the past 50 years, uh, it has allowed us as a, the, to form a more or less united front against the world, despite our immense internal differences. As long as we don't think out the logical outcome of anything, we can get along. 
Um, <laughs> and that's for a host of reasons and a host of areas. That is what is, has allowed the United States not simply to continue but to flourish. Just don't think you too deeply about anything for too long, and you won't have a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, b- before we get too deeply into speaking of not thinking deeply, before we get too deeply into thinking about uh, the the, um, the 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 deeper aspects of why it is that uh, that that there is this Catholic reaction to his death. Um, why don't we just get a couple things out of the way of a doctrinal nature? Um, and so it will be controversial for a little bit. Obviously, we're not like the, the Westboro Baptist Church, who every time somebody dies that they hate, they like to declare this person's in hell. Like, you know, they'll hold up signs saying, you know, another fag in hell or something like that. Um, no, I, so, I, so we're... I, I, let me just say that I, I, if anything, I feel an immense sadness at his passing. Uh, that a man who had such tremendous intellectual gifts and who saw such enormous chunks of truth was unable to see the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, so we, 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 you and I agree, of course, that, that you know, there's no salvation inside the church. That doctrine means what it says and says what it means, and it's not to be monkeyed with uh, no. because of sentimental reasons. And it's and and the so-called uh, um, uh, theology, which uh, seeks to attenuate it, is something that you and I both equally dis- disparage and hold in, in um, well-deserved disdain. Um, so. I mean, just just to quote Pius the uh, syllabus of errors, Protestantism is nothing more than another form of that same true religion in which form it is given to please God equally as in the Catholic Church. This is a condemned as an error. Um, so th- this is a very unsentimental thing to say. Uh, and obviously, if if that's true, and if no salvation of the church is true, then if Billy Graham died as a non-Catholic, he didn't make it to the beatific vision. That that said, we don't we we're not here to offer some sort of infernal canonization and say, yep, another another one bites the dust. He's uh, he's, uh, he's another snap, another snap crackle popper. Yeah, yeah. So so that that out of the way. But neither are we going to neither neither are we going to say, well, you know, he was a nice guy, so you know, it's all we're all indifferentist about it and everything, and he must be in heaven, you know, singing in the choir with uh, with uh, with all the saints with Al Capone and Billy Sunday, but. I <laughs> I, uh, you see here, this is the thing, uh, you know, when you say, well, he led people to Christ, here's a basic problem. The Catholic Christ is not the Protestant Christ. Yeah. Now, now I know, I know that many, many people, even of the highest rank of the church will say that, uh, Muslims, Jews, and Christians all worship the same God. Well, my problem with that, and I do have a problem with it, is that while it was certainly true that we would agree with Billy Graham on the nature of the Trinity, you bet. I have no doubt that he believed that uh, he could uh, even say the Athanasian Creed the way the Anglicans do, the way the Lutherans do. I'm sure he could say the Athanasian Creed, duly altering in his mind what church means. Mm-hmm. But once you get past that, uh, Indeed, once you get past that, there is the the question of what kind of Christ. 
you know, the, the Christ of the Catholics, or the Orthodox for that matter, the Christ of the Catholics is a Christ that didn't simply make an, an appearance in history, open up the gates of heaven, and then sort of hang around like the Holy Spirit. Uh, instead, the Christ of the Catholics is somebody who comes down on the altar every day, all across the globe, the new innumerable altars, uh, who absolve sins in confessionals and various other like places, uh, who uh, who infuses who's infused with the Holy Spirit of baptism, who places the 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 mark on one's soul, and who has the, an immaculately conceived mother. Correct. Who he who hears our prayers and is our mother too. And and through by by imitation as it were by likeness uh, allows the same privilege to a ton of other folk in heaven. Allows the same privilege of interceding of intercession. Yeah. yeah. Now this is a very different Christ, a Christ also who appointed a man uh, and men to carry on his work, his supernatural work, uh, not simply through teaching what he taught. Uh, authoritatively, as opposed to on a basis of equality with all of the believers, but also had a, a sacramental, a, 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 a spiritual power that has been passed on to the present day. Uh, yeah. So, 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 given that, given the Catholic doctrines of uh, which surround the sacraments, the 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 the, the saints. Uh, and so forth, and, and all those things which uh, separate us from our separated brethren, or rather separate them from us, um, given all that, they, they have the wrong Christ. I mean, they, they've, they've got a Christ of their own imaginings, basically. It's not the real Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, years ago, a friend of mine who was a convert uh, from uh, several different religions, actually, gone down through the, the mill to the end as a Catholic. He said to me something that really shocked me until he explained it. He said, you know, when the Protestants accuse us of worshiping Mary, they're right. I see, you know, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Well, I, I looked at him in some horror because, you know, what? I mean, one of the first things you learn as a Catholic is that we do not worship Mary like Christ. But he explained to me, he said, no, no, no you don't understand. They are only able to do their cultus yeah. of Jesus is roughly equivalent to our cultus of the Virgin Mary. You know, Orestes Brownson made exactly that point. Now, in his uh, in his in his um, statue and Mary worship, I think was the name of the thing that he wrote. He actually it was two essays. One was it was called it was called Mary worship. Yeah, and that. And see so the 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 other thing because too, they don't have the mass, so they don't they don't offer the highest form of worship. They don't offer the cult of slattery because they don't have the mass. That was Arrestus Brownson's argument. Precisely right. The, the 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 sacramental worship of the church is entirely off the menu. Yeah. And so um, uh, you know, at the same time, they do have a strong conviction, as it were, of sorts of this Christ of their own imagining. And it, it really, it brings home Flannery O'Connor's comments about the Christ-haunted South. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it does, because the, the Protestants, and particularly the sort of Southern Protestant from which Billy Graham arose, 
was severely Christ haunted. That's why you had the revivals. That's you know the the it wasn't enough that he'd just be an historic figure. Now, what do you mean by Christ haunted? I mean, what was what was Flannery O'Connor's point in saying that? Well, that she said that the South is not Christ loving, meaning the Protestant South. Yeah, is not Christ loving, in one sense because it can't be. But it is Christ haunted, in the sense that it can't escape the idea of him. Mm-hmm. It has to do something about him. Uh, and she said this in, in contradiction of the North, which is quite able to ignore him happily. <laughs> and this is the same Flannery O'Connor, of course, who said when when a when a uh, a sophisticated, uh, enlightened, modernist Catholic friend of hers talked about what a lovely symbol the the, the Blessed Eucharist is. She said famously, uh, "Well, if it's just a symbol, then to hell with it." Uh, yeah. And 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 shock this lady's modernist pieties. <laughs> she she was very upset. And of course, uh, the, another one of her great lines, uh, but it reflects the woman. Uh, at a uh, she was giving a seminar on her own work. There's a, a dwarf in one of her short stories who's wearing a brown hat. And one of the, one of the attendees asked her, "Well, Miss O'Connor, why did the dwarf wear a brown hat?" And it's the kind of thing that would never have occurred to her because she didn't do symbolism like that. Uh-huh. And she looked at him. Kind of uncomprehendingly, and then said, I don't know, I suppose his head was gold. <laughs> okay, Charles, if we could, okay, so, so, um, um, <laughs> Flannery O'Connor, we could discuss maybe some other time, but, uh, back, back to Billy Graham here. Um, uh, I, I, I invoked her for a reason, and the reason is that Billy Graham's fire and his, um, um, zeal for his Christ the Christ that haunts the South, the Christ mm-hmm. that haunted his revivals, his crusades, the Christ that they don't know, but they've got to do something about. They can't just sit there passively. That was what gave Graham his conviction. And you see, most of us Catholics, uh, secure in our higher worship, tend to take it all very much for granted. Mm-hmm. Graham did not. And this is part of the reason why uh, so many Catholics, again, presuming that the Christ he worshipped was the Christ they worship, were taken aback by him, were inspired and impressed, because you rarely see Catholics show the kind of zeal for Christ that a man like Billy Graham did for his Christ. Now, now I've been reading about him for a couple of days, just just reading some different uh, summaries of his life and things, and different takes that that people had, both Protestant and Catholic. And what one of the things that uh, you meet with is this this transformation from a, a, a Southern Presbyterian who, at seventeen years old, uh, finds Christ at some sort of a revival. Uh, and uh, at that point decides to give himself to the Lord and um, then goes to some sort of Bible school uh, to become a preacher man, becomes ordained a, uh, a, a, a becomes a Southern Baptist, becomes ordained, quote unquote, a Southern Baptist minister, then ends up going to uh, Wheaton College where he meets his, his wife, Ruth, and um uh, decides that he, she wanted to be a, min, min, a missionary in Tibet. Her, her daddy was a missionary in China. 
but um, Billy convinced her that uh, it was God's will that she be his wife and, and stay here. And um, th- he he ends up starting these these uh, these crusades, as they were called. These launched into fame, uh, apparently, largely due to the goodwill of of uh, William Randolph Hearst's uh, newspapers, you know, plugging him, doing these pu- puff pieces on him, and um, it becomes very very famous. But as he's doing so. Um, so he's a, he's a, he's a Baptist minister, but he he dropped the name Baptist off of his first church where he was a pastor. Then he sort of stopped the pastoring thing and just went around being a quote unquote evangelist. And all he did was preach this sort of simple message. But the message became uh, less and less denominational and less and less fundamentalist and this sort of vague kind of evangelism or evangelicalism, and and it becomes. Now you'll find you'll find Protestants attacking him from different angles. Some of them say I, there was actually one guy attacking him for a works-based system of salvation, and then you'll find others who who like this uh, new uh, Nalbor fellow who, in the pages of Time magazine, accused him of simplifying the gospel to just you know put in your put in your commitment card, sign your commitment card, and that's it. Um, so it, it seems as if he 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 very much simply even oversimplified evangelical Christianity, but then as he meets Catholics and becomes uh, and Mormons, he a- ends up sending people that meet, that finally accept Christ at his revivals or his uh, crusades. He sends them to their various churches, whether they're Methodists or, or the doctrine didn't matter. Whatever he said, just above all, go to church. So he's sending Catholics to, to Catholic churches, uh, which freaked out the, 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 the fundamentalists. It sure did. Uh, in fact, the, um, uh, in 1997, I've got it in front of me, and I don't mind quoting it. Uh, he was interviewed by Robert Schuller, himself a Dutch Reformed minister, a prosperity gospel fellow, who uh, was the builder of the Crystal Cathedral. Yes, yes. Now becoming the Catholic Cathedral in Orange, California. <laughs> yeah. It is. Um, one of the great, well, see, the thing was they wanted to build something that would outdo our cathedral, and they didn't have the money, so buy, buy one already met. Anyway, uh, this is the quote from Graham, and I mean, what do you say? But you can see why it would appeal to Americans. He says, I think that everybody that loves and knows Christ, whether they are conscious of it or not, yep. here's your uh, implicit baptism of desire, yep. they are members of the body of Christ. God is calling people out of the world for his name, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the non-believing world. They are members of the body of Christ (laughs) because they have been called by God. They may not know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts that they need something they do not have, and they turn to the only light they have, and I think that they are saved and they are going to be with us in heaven. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's Carl Rahner with a southern accent. It's Colorado with a southern accent, which is why, you know, as as uh, Pope Benedict XVI has said, uh, equivalently, most Catholics today are universalists. Yeah. What I've just said is what most Catholics believe. Exactly. And so... Sh- Schuler's reaction to that was interesting. Did you... Did you... Because I heard that interview... And Schuler's oh. reaction was, and you know, and you know how unctuous he could be. It was really, it was really yes. irritating. He says, "Oh, oh, Billy, I'm so glad that you're so broad about this. There's room in your gospel." <laughs> uh, well, yeah, there's air in your head, but 
No, that's, you know, and this is why, again, if this is what most Catholics believe, uh, which they do, if this is what most Protestants believe, which they do, if this is what most Unitarians believe, which they do, if this is what most Americans believe, which they do, then it's easy to see why he was considered the national pastor. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he, he simplified Christianity to just a handful of, uh, of, of platitudes backed up from his reading from the Bible and, and a whole lot of emotional, emotionally uplifting uh, uh, oratory. And, no. and, and, and that was it. He, uh, uh, in some ways, he reminds me of the early, let me emphasize, the early television Archbishop Sheen. Um, I say early television. He got he got much more. Funny thing about Archbishop Sheen is that his writings and his later talks were much more uh, substantive than a lot of his earlier TV stuff. Uh, but that was what the country wanted to hear in the fifties, and that's why Graham became big in the fifties. That's why the only I guarantee you that a Catholic program like Life Is Worth Living that had been doctrinal in nature, would never have outdone Uncle Melty. No, 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 no. Of course, you're talking about Mil Milton Boyle. This is Reconquest on the Crusade Premium Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. This is Brother Andre Marie, and I'm, I'm interviewing Charles Colomb. We're talking about the canonization of Billy Graham. Uh, Charles, okay, so, so you just mentioned Sheen. So why don't, we, why don't we talk about specific Catholics? Okay, so, so to me, it's one, thing when, it's one thing for Billy Graham to say silly heresy. It's another thing for, you know, uh, Pastor Schuler to, to say, you know, nonsensical platitudes that sound lukewarmly Christian. Um, but the real scandal is that Catholic churchmen um, applauded this man, uh, just as Catholics today are applauding him and, and virtually canonizing him. They're certainly eulogizing him to the skies. Um, and uh, ke keeping in mind that this man preached essentially a false gospel, it's a false religion. I mean, just just for just for summary's sake, um, th this is from Charles. You'll be amused. This is from the the Catholic Answers website. Uh, before he died, okay. Uh, so they, they, uh, the, the question is sent: Is it okay for a Catholic to participate as a counselor at a Billy Graham Evangelistic Association festival? And they, and they answer, not really. Which <laughs> it's funny that they put it that way. But um, they take two things that he said that's a problem. This is how this is Graham on how one receives Christ and becomes a Christian. Quote. Remember, we must admit that we are sinners. We must turn away from our sins into Christ. We must trust him as our Savior and follow him as our Lord. God promises that when we do this, he will save us and make us his children, and we will live with him forever. And then, later, on eternal security, another direct quote from, from uh, Billy Graham, Another of the many reasons believers can feel eternally secure in their relationship with God has to do with the steadfast love of God for his son Jesus. God does not cannot and never will condemn Jesus. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To reject a believer in Christ, God would have to cast Jesus himself 
out of heaven, end quote. So, so Catholic Answers actually gave a Catholic answer on this <laughs> and said you can't, you can't take place in this, in this, you can't take part in this as a, as a counselor um, because th- this is essentially false doctrine, although they didn't quite put it that way. Um, so th- this is the gospel that this man says. This is falsehood. This is absolute. This is this doctrine is condemned, of course, by the Council of Trent. So it's a false. It's a false Christianity. So that 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 this man could go around preaching it doesn't bother me so much. But what scandalizes me, uh, not scandalizes, but what bothers me, what I find what I find irksome and, and worthy of, of of anger is that Catholic churchmen n- never attempted, apparently, never attempted to convert him. They made public appearances with him. They lauded him, and included our Fulton Sheen. Included us yep. also, of course, Cushing, Cardinal yep. O'Connor had a, had great relations with him. Uh, and uh, so, wh- why don't we talk about Sheen? Sh- uh, Sheen famously met him in a train in 1944, and uh, they they talked together and prayed together. And at the end of it, uh, um, according to Billy Graham himself, we felt like we'd all we we'd, we'd known each other for all our lives. So this so Fulton Sheen is a big hero of American Catholicism. Um, apparently, did nothing to try to win Billy Graham to the faith. Well, no, because you got to remember that by that time, already, especially in America, uh, we Catholics were not about conversion or evangelization. We never have been really, but uh, we slowly gave up even the pretense. Remember back in the 1920s, I think it was Belloc who said, uh, America's Catholics will either convert their country or be converted by it. Well, even by that time, we were well on our way to being converted by it. <clears throat> and that, that takes us back to that gooey, nothing in particular, don't think about it state. I highly doubt, you know, you, you could say when you look at the Catholic doctrines and you say, well, gee, how could somebody like Archbishop Sheen have, have hung out with this guy and never even, you know, tried. Uh, and the answer is, we did, I, I doubt it, he, he even thought it through. Mm-hmm. I doubt he ever thought through the implications of what I'm sure he sincerely believed. Um, that is to say, the necessity of the church, all that kind of thing. Um, I don't, We are so used, as Catholic Americans, to compartmentalizing our views and our behavior and our belief you know, we're devout on Sunday and at Mass. Uh, we'll go to Holy Hours, we'll say the Rosary, and of course, this is much more so then than now. You remember, in, I guess it was in 47 or 46 in Boston, they had the biggest Rosary Crusade ever seen before or since. And I have no doubt that um, virtually every man, Jack, and Lady Jane, clerical or lay or religious that went, was meant what they said when they said it. Yeah. It's just that it didn't apply in other circumstances. Or to other people. Right. It only applies for us. The, the, you know? which, which is why when Father Feeney says, if Mary, is, if, if Mary is just your mother and she's not supposed to be other people's mothers, then, then the, the, you don't really accept her as your mother. And if the Pope is, is just your Pope and he's not supposed to be the head of the church for everyone else, then you really don't value him. No. And, uh, and of course, you know, th- this, uh, this is a mode of thinking we're very used to. Uh, if the Blessed Sacrament is really the body and blood of Christ, if it's himself, then you would treat it in a given way, you know, with every every sign of honor and respect you could. Um, 
Oh, there are a lot of Catholics there. Of course, according to Gallup, only 30% believe in the real presence. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. uh, I know many who do. But under the influence of the current way of doing things, you know, they go by the uh, the tabernacle with a friendly nod, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Lord, how's it hanging? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, so let's talk about Cardinal Cushing. In 1950, Cushing printed Bravo Billy on the front of his diocesan newspaper during the January 1950 campaign. So there was a crusade in Boston, and Archbishop Cushing um, comes out and says Bravo Billy. Apparently it was, it was meeting Cushing. I guess meeting Fulton Sheen wasn't enough because young father Sheen wasn't significant enough. But then... Uh, uh, Archbishop, he wasn't Cardinal yet, Archbishop Cushing, um, praising Billy Graham on the on the front page of his diocesan newspaper. Um, this was this was significant. This was significant, and they met. And he and then he says this typical mindless sort of comment by Cardinal Cushing. There's nothing that a Catholic can get out of hearing Billy Graham except to become a better Catholic. And that. Well, I mean, the thing with Cardinal Cushing, uh, uh, one of my favorite f- uh, quotes of his was, I don't know anything about religion, I just know about raising money, uh, <laughs> which I always I always appreciated. Um, and an addendum to that was that uh, he, he claimed that he'd always gotten more money out of Protestants and Jews than he ever got out of Catholics. Mm-hmm. And it, so, but, but the funny thing is he left the archdiocese in very bad shape financially. Well, he didn't say where the money was going, now, did he? <laughs> he just said he needed it. But, uh, yeah, you know, again, it goes back, I, I, and I've got to take you back to that, to that time, which was very exciting for Catholics because we were beginning to be accepted in a way that we hadn't been before the war. Uh, World War II, which the uh, people of St. Benedict Center saw as a, a tremendous danger to the faith, uh, in the sense that, well, let's face it, when you see someone, uh, you get close to people of other religions, you're fighting in the same cause, you see them die in front of you. Uh, it's very difficult not to canonize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I refer you to the cultus of the four chaplains, you know, who went down, on, I guess, to Dorchester. Uh, one, there was a Catholic priest, uh, maybe it was two priests and a minister, or two ministers and a priest, and a Catholic rabbi. Uh, I mean, a uh, rabbi, a Jewish rabbi. Uh, what's, what's the difference? <laughs> Turn out all the barriers. Who cares? I don't. Uh, you know, there was a wicked uh, pre high priestess, the fifth, the fifth chaplainette we never hear about. So this, but, so this is our national religion, uh, uh, just in, indifferentism. I mean, they were all good chaps. They were all good chums. They all died good guys, right? Died good guys. Uh, each of them uh, serving the dying on the Dorchester in their own way. Uh you know the 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 uh, priests or priests or forget which the proportion was scurrying around giving the last rites. Uh, you know, and then the, the the four of them go down together go, go down together singing a hymn. I forget which hymn. Well, you know that is where we were. And then after the war is over, we have the great war against communism. And there, of course, remember we're facing an enemy. Yeah. That is declared war on all religions, not just us. Yeah. Who sees all religions as a threat? Um, yeah. It's very easy to look around and see the other believers and see ourselves, which, in a sense, I guess we were, uh, as allies in this titanic struggle. 
Uh, and if and, you look, and Billy Graham was very anti-communist. I mean, that's he was what, very anti-communist. He was extremely anti-communist. Sheen was, Cushing was. I mean, the one of the things, uh, and I, I would say at this stage in our history, probably one of our uh, unseen fault lines is that we Americans have always been uh, had trouble being united if we didn't have a common enemy. Mm. Uh, there, there's very little sense of what being an American is as opposed to being what an American is opposed to. Uh, that's why the phrase un-American carries stuff with it that un-British or un-French just doesn't. Mm, mm, okay, so yeah, so the now now th there's another subject that I want to get to before we finish, and we have just under 15 minutes here. The right. the um, so there I, here in the United States, it's not like Northern Ireland. Catholics and Protestants can get along. Um, they often talk about the progress we've made. And, of course, it goes across the board, too, the progress that, that Catholics and Jews have made, the progress that that uh, that various, uh, you know, and they always uh, associate it with uh, the civil rights movement, the, the progress that we have not basically not hating each other and not being at each other's throats. And um, I, I, guess the, I guess the question is twofold. One, we it, it's a good thing, presumably, that we're not at each other's throats all the time, but we Catholics miss the miss the boat when instead of taking advantage of the goodwill to evangelize, um, you know, obviously it's better that we that we can show kindness and charity to a non-Catholic than that we hate their gut simply because they're non-Catholic. Or right. they don't belong to our ethnic group, or whatever. You know, those Jews aren't Italians like me, and therefore I don't like them, or whatever. Um, it's 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 good that we've, in a sense, torn down these barriers, and we can reach across to each other, and talk to each other, and treat each other like humans. And but where we miss the ball is no, no, no. Okay, so that that uh, that entree now has a purpose, and I, as a Catholic, have a duty to evangelize this person. That's what we missed. We just kept the goodwill and took, took that as being it, you know, the, 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 the kindness and the warmth that developed. That's enough, and that's, no, I, that's where we mess up. Imagine, uh, imagine, if you will, that our ancestors in a similar situation, uh, and I speak now of the Roman Empire, uh, which had done a lot of the churches within the empire, had done a lot of the church's work for it in breaking down so much of the hatred between the innumerable peoples of the Roman Empire and really opened up an incredible, uh, through communications, through this good feeling, etc., opened up a, an incredible venue of evangelization for the infant church. But imagine uh, if when Constantine became emperor, uh, at which time the Catholics were by no means a majority of the imperial population. Uh, it would take several hundred years for parts of places like Gaul and Spain uh, to become really Catholic. Um, imagine that at that time, the Catholics of the day had said, okay, we have one of our own as emperor now. Yeah, well, except yeah. That, that's it. In Inter Milan... We don't have to evangelize anymore. Yeah, he was the, he was the John Kennedy of his day, <laughs> or would have been. <laughs> that's that's exactly my point. Yeah, uh, you know we've got the Edict of Milan. We can we can come out of the closet now. We don't have to hide. So now um, you know we'll we'll say our masses, 
um, the Mithraites will uh, <coughs> sacrifice to Mithra. Um, you know, Isis is devotees, blah, blah, blah. And everything's going to be hunky-dory and we're all good Romans together. Yeah. Well, if they had done that, we would have to say, looking back at the 2020 hindsight, that they were traitors to the empire. Yeah. That's what we would have to say. You mean you mean we, they were traitors to the empire for not evangelizing it? Or? Yes. Okay, yeah. We yes. would have to say that for not evangelizing, they were traitors to the empire. They were bad Romans. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the interesting thing is that instead of making, uh, instead of uh, doing that, it was such, and despite the Arian heresy, which breaks out shortly thereafter, their energy and evangelization grows so much. The, they are so intent on um, uh, spreading the faith that by the time Theodosius the Great comes along a few decades later, he's able to pass the edict to Thessalonica, making baptism the entry into full Roman citizenship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, he could not have done that had there not been at least a simple majority of the empire made up of Catholics. Yeah, yeah. Had had Roman exceptionalism uh, outpaced their dedication to Catholicism, that wouldn't have happened. No, it couldn't have happened. And so I would have to say that as Catholics go, you know, people love to compare uh, America to Rome, and in some ways it's a very valid comparison. Uh, but I, I think you would have to say that America's Catholics were horribly served, uh, sorry, that these United States were horribly served by their Catholics. Yeah. And that the empire uh, was blessed with decent Catholics. So I guess the, 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 the thing is, what we need to, the message that we need to get to Catholics is, you know, with with tact and kindness and real charity uh, and, and, you know, obviously not hate, um, you have to, to tell your, your, your non-Catholic uh, friends, family, countrymen, um, that their, their religion isn't sufficient and there is a, there, that they need Catholicism. They need the real Jesus Christ, the one, the one who has the sacraments, the one who's present in the Eucharist, the one who has an immaculately conceived mother who was assumed into heaven, body, and soul. That's the Jesus Christ you need to, to, to be your savior if you really want to be saved. And, 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 but, I mean, this has to be done with, with, with charity, but I think we have a problem. It's either, it's either hatred or human respect, especially in our a, a terribly balkanized uh, country the way it's become lately. Oh, well, that, that's very true. But I, uh, you're absolutely right. But I, I think there's a twofold problem here. One is that American Catholics really do not know America. And they don't know non-Catholics. Non they don't know what the other Catholic, what the other religions are. And the problem with that, you cannot evangelize what you don't love, but you can't love what you don't know. Very Augustinian of you, Charles. Well, it's, there's a reason he's my confirmation saint. It wasn't magic. But, I, and of course, like himself, uh, I live too in the declining years of a great empire. <laughs> True. But although I, I hope not to die in my native town of New York under siege by barbarians, <laughs> but the uh, 
but the thing is that the uh, the uh, I mentioned this because that that's half of it. The second half is that evangelization, and this is the absolute opposite of what we have told ourselves since the time of John Carroll. But I will say it. And I will say it to the day I die. Evangelization is a patriotic duty. Do not say you love your country if you do not wish to evangelize it. Mm-hmm. Any more than the Romans, the, our, our forebears in Rome, the Catholic Romans, would have been true and loyal subjects of the empire if they had just given up evangelization with the Edict of Milan. We have betrayed our country. That's something, and you know, for a Catholic American, that's even more important than having betrayed God. Because betraying God is not something we think about. But we do think about the United States. Mm-hmm. So let's get that across. We have failed this country. We have failed. We say we love our fellow Americans. Ha! We don't even love our, our non-Catholic friends and family enough. How could we possibly say we love our country? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so and 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 the the apotheosis of Billy Graham is just a part of that. It's a, it's a it's, it's a symptom of a larger disease. Absolutely. And I and I mean again, Billy Graham just as in a sense, oh, who would be a good example? Oh gosh, Cicero was the epitome of pagan Rome and one of the finest Romans that ever lived without the faith. There's a lot, humanly speaking, you can talk about Cicero's virtues. But, there's the big but. For Catholics to have lionized him as a great man at the time that he died would not have reflected badly on Cicero. It would have reflected badly on them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Billy Graham, in a lot of ways, was probably one of the greatest Americans of his time. But that doesn't mean anything. In a serious sense, I mean, it was the same. Mutandis Mutandis, uh, take uh, my favorite president that I lived under, in fact, the only one I had much regard for, Ronald Reagan. Now, leaving aside the fact that he had a Catholic father whose uh, uh, drunkenness, I guess, pushed him into embracing his mother's Presbyterianism, putting that aside... Reagan was a similar figure. Uh, Humanly speaking, tons of natural virtue. Uh, Personable, lover of his country, true patriot, and religiously speaking, out to lunch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Billy Billy Graham, of course, met with Reagan just as he met with every U.S. president since Truman. He met met with with Reagan. Uh, He met with Eisenhower. Of course, Eisenhower, another, another good example. He was the one who said uh, it's absolutely incumbent on every American to have a church, and I don't care what it is. Yeah, to have a religion, right? To have religion, a religion, yeah. And I don't care what it is. Well, um, you know, and, and Mr. Mr. Reagan, God bless him, and again, I, I as, as an individual, as a human, as a natural figure, a lot of respect for the man. Yeah. But he epitomized what's wrong with us as a nation. Yeah, in the end, truth doesn't matter. In the end, no. truth. In the end, religious truth doesn't matter, and God's supernatural revelation doesn't matter. It all takes a back seat to 
to what? To the funny thing is the Catholics that are lauding him are are actually saying he was saved, or at least implicitly, they're saying he was saved by his good works. Yeah. Because he was such a good man. He went all around the world preaching. He brought so many people to Christ. He's a, that saying Billy Graham was saved by good works, which of course would 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 be would be uh, vehemently opposed at least at least by the early Billy Graham, um, who was a, who was a, uh, a a Southern Baptist evangelical Christian and believed that uh, believed in um, sola fides and wouldn't say that you're saved by your good works. But we think he's saved by his good works. We. We, he's anti-Pelagian, and we bring him into heaven based upon Pelagian criteria. It, it, we are a little bit contradictory. I'll say something horrible and awful that nobody will like. You ready? Ready. If Billy Graham was saved, it was because on the one hand, he was validly baptized as an infant Presbyterian, and on the other, he somehow or other came to accept the Catholic faith before he died. <laughs> Amen. Maybe he picked it up from a Filipino nurse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've known stranger things to happen in real life, to be honest with you. So I'm not, I'm not putting it past the mercy of God, especially because it seems like you know four out of every five nurses are Filipinas these years, these days, and boy, do those ladies evangelize some of them. So you know they haven't learned that it's not true yet. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if 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 I make it to heaven, and of course this side of the grave, that's a big if. But if I make it to heaven and I see Billy Graham there, I will know that what I described just happened. Yeah, yeah, and um, and, and we we can't say something mealy mouthed like if he was saved, it was in spite of his religion. No, if he was saved, it's because he got the right religion before he, before as a friend of mine says, before he closed out his health insurance record. Yeah, just so. I mean, you know, as I say, uh, he was baptized a Presbyterian infant until he was a Catholic until the age of seven. Had he died before the age of seven, he'd have gone straight to heaven. Uh, later on, he went through all the various things he went on. We don't know what the last couple of uh, years, let alone the last couple of months, let alone the last weeks, the last uh, days of his life are like. And I guarantee you, if some Filipina did convert him, it's not something that would have been shared with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe in the future there'll be a book about, written by the Filipina that brought him into the church. <laughs> you never know. And she wouldn't even have to baptize him. No, no. Well, so, uh, but, you know, I, I, that, that is about as close to uh, to to it as I'm afraid I can I can possibly bring myself. That's as much as you'll canonize him. Very good. And 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 on that we're certainly agreed. Well, Charles, we're 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 less than thirty seconds off now, and uh, we really have to bring it to a close. So thank you so much for for joining me, and I'm sure it won't be the last time that we uh, we we have you on on the show. All right. Just remember one thing: they canonized Reagan. They canonized Graham. When she dies, they'll canonize the queen. <laughs> You've been listening to Reconquest on the Crusade Premium Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. God bless and Mary keep you.